0: LinkedIn
1: presents. It's not about how much you know. It's not about all the certifications that you have. It's not about where you graduated from. All that means nothing. If you cannot interview, if you cannot really earn the trust of the person that is interviewing you, if you don't show them that you have the right attitude, if you don't build a meaningful relationship with them during the interview, they're not going to give you the job, no matter how qualified you are. How amazing you are on paper. So once they trust you, once they believe in you, once they see that you are different, they will give you the opportunity and they will give you the tools for you to succeed.
0: No degree, no problem. Any problem we can solve them. Linked insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the
1: wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.
0: Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. Today, I have a very special guest. Someone who's personally changed my life. Who's taught me a lot about LinkedIn. Who I learned resumes from. Who I can call a dear friend. who's taught me so much. It's just about business life in general. Brian Golod, thank you so much for coming on the show. We should have done this way earlier, but you know, the timing couldn't be better.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I call you a dear friend as well. And I truly mean it. I don't call just anybody a friend. That's a very special word to me. And so thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So what do you do? I know you have a business, you have a job. Do you mind sharing what you do? Absolutely. So I've been in technology for 25, 26 years, and I've been leading software development uh, teams for a while. And then when, you know, about five years ago, I was on, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what to do. What could I do to better use my time? I was wasting a lot of time, and I came across LinkedIn, changed my life forever, just like it's changed your life, right? And... I realized that there were a lot of people who were stuck or lost in their journeys, in their careers. I had an opportunity, a blessing to help one person get back on his feet after two years of being unemployed. And that changed his life. And that changed my life. (laughs) And the rest is history. And I've been able to mentor more than 500 professionals and been able to build a business out of this. But truly pouring my heart and soul into this and and, and, and and changing people's lives, just getting getting them back on their feet and helping them advance in their careers. And in the meantime, I still consult. I have a really good gig for a very large bank here in Canada. And I consult and I do both things at the same time. I'm just, I'm just so blessed. It's so amazing to be able to jump out of bed every single day to do two things that you absolutely love. And get paid for
0: that, yeah. you know? And you know, it's funny. I remember seeing your post on LinkedIn and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. And somehow we ended up meeting for the first time at 2 a.m. And we're recording this podcast at 2 a.m. So it comes full circle. <laughs> right? It's actually one twenty-seven <laughs> at the time of me asking this question. And, you know, you taught me about the ATS and so many job seekers make so many common mistakes. Like I've had people and you've had people come and I'm like, change your format. Here's a free format. And they're like, what? I'm getting interviews. And that's just the format. Now it's highlighting your accomplishments, doing things the right way, knowing how to interview, knowing how to negotiate. All these things have a big impact. And thank you so much for, you know, really helping a lot of job seekers. Now let's take it back. So you have a very interesting story. What were the roles that you've held? Like, what's your journey been like?
1: interesting thing is that I started my journey when I was 11 years old. <laughs> my parents my parents asked me when I was that young, what do you want to do with your life? <laughs> like, what 11-year-old actually knows what they want to do for, for a living, right? And at the time, I was, um, I was playing the keyboard, um, the organ. Uh, I was attending the Yamaha School. I loved music, and I I knew that I wanted to go to the number one technical school in Argentina, which is where I was born and raised before I moved to Canada. After a couple of years, you know, I I realized, you know what, how many musicians actually make a really good living out of their music? So I'm very practical, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to actually go into computer science, and I'm going to choose that career. I also love it, and let's see how it goes. So I chose my career at 13 years old. And then at about almost 20 years old, I immigrated to Canada. My first job was at the call center. But slowly and surely, I started to study here in Canada. I went to university, then I switched to college. And I worked at one point, I was working five jobs at the same time. I was actually teaching students what I was learning in in college myself. I hadn't even finished college. It was literally one week into college. And then they gave me the job to teach them what I was learning. And then I worked for the government of Canada twice and multinationals and startups and everything in between. But the actual roles were full stack software developer, business analyst, Scrum master, product owner. And once I found that product owner role, I stayed in that product owner role in technology throughout many different organizations. I I went from product product owner to product owner to product owner to product owner to product owner because I absolutely love that particular role. What does a product owner do? So product owner liaises between the stakeholders, the, the clients, the users, and the software development team. So I understand what the requirements are from the users, from the stakeholders, from the clients, whoever it is that uses our solution. And then I prioritize and I, tr- I, I turn those requirements into Requirements that my software development team can actually understand and develop against so we can deliver them, we can bring them back into the solution. I prioritize them, bring them into the solution, and then I keep this rolling and evolving, this product, this solution going. So I am in between, in between who uses the software
0: and who actually develops the software. Now, how does product owner differ from product manager?
1: So a product owner is more on the day-to-day just gathering those requirements and making sure that I understand how to develop them. I am guiding the team. I am leading the team on how to actually bring those requirements to life. A product manager is maybe if you want to see them a step a little bit higher up in terms of what the vision of the program is or, or the solution is. What is the market looking for? What are our competitive advantages? What is everybody else offering? What are we going to offer? How are we going to differentiate ourselves from everybody else? So they have a more of a broader vision than the product owner. The product owner is on the day to day, really getting those requirements done.
0: Okay, no, that's good to know because I know like some places can sometimes mix up the titles. It's a very organic step and all that, and it's always good to consider uh, the product owner role because sometimes it's very hard to get a product manager role. So now let's...
1: May, look, uh, I'll tell you, sorry to catch you. There are many organizations that can't afford to have a product manager. They don't have a product manager. Maybe they have a director. Maybe they have somebody else who is who embraces that role, who is guiding the vision of that role, but they don't necessarily have, depending on how large the organization is, right? They might have a product owner, but not necessarily a product manager. But the product owner in a Scrum team You must have a product owner.
0: Mm, Okay, okay. I see, I see. No, that's good to know. Now, let's go back. So let's talk about the call center job. (laughs) Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below.
1: That call center job, I got it one week after
0: landing in Canada.
1: Believe it or not, I never imagined that speaking Spanish was going to be an asset or it was going to be a skill. I mean, I I was born and raised in Argentina. I speak Spanish fluently, perfectly fine. I speak Spanish at home, still with my wife, who is from South America as well, with my children, with my dog. I speak Spanish, but I never thought that Spanish was going to be a skill. So one week here in in Canada, and I got a job. At the time, of course, when I was going to the call center, it felt amazing. Listen, I I always always appreciate what I have, and the fact that I landed here in this amazing country, that I was able to earn money, to be able to be self sufficient, to be able to pay for my things, to be able to pay for school, and to treat myself, and to save up, it was amazing. But of course, there were days where you know, I was like, oh, I'm just working at a call center. However, looking back, I know that that call center experience was amazing in terms of polishing my or acquiring and polishing my customer service skills. That is an amazing skill to have. And I believe that my skills came from that call center, from listening to customers who were upset, customers who were, who were very demanding being able to really understand and, and empathize with them. So all these things came from there. And now looking back, I'm like, okay, thank God I had that experience, you know? Yeah. Like, what are the things you learned? To be very patient. <laughs> to be very patient. And also, it put my values to the test. Because the organization that I was working for, it, uh, or that we were representing at that call center, typically, if you know how a call center works, you know, you have a workforce we are providing services to other organizations. And this organization, I'm not going to say name, but this organization was very shady in the way that, you know, there are many organizations that are very shady, but this one in particular, its main target audience was elderly people. And, you know, the elderly, they forget whether they pay the bills or not. So this organization, what they would do is they would send them bill after bill after bill. Every single week, they would send them a bill. And I would get phone calls from, I don't know, I could tell that this person was like, I don't know, 85, 90 years old. And they were paid up until 2045. And I was like, this person is not going to leave until 2045. Like, why are they paid up for like 25 yeah. years ahead? It makes no sense. So for me, it was like, I have to give these people their money back because we don't deserve to have it. In a way, I was like, you know what? When you know what the right thing to do is, you have to do it. Yeah. So had to be empathetic whenever someone was com- calling in with a complaint or whatever. And I realized, or I saw that they were paid up until so far in- into the future. I was like, hey, by the way, you have so much money into this organization. You need to get it back. It's your money. So, I don't know, Great experience, honestly, to work there. Yeah, no. What job came next? So, first of all, I was handling calls in Spanish, then in English. Then technical calls for um, an ISP, an internet service provider within the call center as well. And then after that, I moved to um, an organization called CGI. They opened their first office in the province where I was working at. I was, I think, like their fifth employee, even though it was a massive organization. And yeah, they trained me on a bunch of technology. I traveled from that province to Ottawa, here in Ontario. I was looking after some clients as well. I was picking up new skills within the organization. And then after that, I moved to the government and other gigs as well. Development, software development gigs. how did you learn the software skills? So when I was back in Argentina, when I went to school at 13 years old, that's when I picked up those uh, software development skills. So I started with, uh, I think it was the first one was Pascal or C++. I can't remember which which one or the other it was one or the other, then I did Assembly and Visual Basic and Visual Fox Pro, like a whole bunch of different languages and HTML and CSS and JavaScript and Java, a bunch of different languages. That's how I picked them up. And then I continued with my computer science studies here in Canada. And then I switched over to a college to get more hands-on experience Um, and I did interactive multimedia. So in this world right now, besides having the software development skills, Knowing how to put all this stuff together, it's it's an amazing skill to have. So I'm glad that I shifted my career towards
0: interactive multimedia because everything is on the internet now. So now, clarify in Canada, there's like a three-year, there's a four-year. Can you clarify (laughs) that? It can get
1: confusing. So after you graduate high school, you can go, if you want, either to college. So in the States, when you say college, it's typically, it's an undergrad. You go to university, yeah. that's college, right? In Canada, college is not necessarily that. It's something that is like a diploma. It's it's something considered in between. It's not an undergrad. It's a diploma. So you can do a one-year program, you can do a two-year program, you can do a three-year program. The one that I did was a one-year program. I went to computer science at university first, and then I switched over to this college to do a one-year diploma, interactive multimedia. Okay. The interesting thing that I want to say is that with, with technology... It's very, very rare. It's never happened to me that someone asked me where I studied or what my GPA was. Nobody ever cared. In 19 years of me living in Canada, no one has ever asked me where I studied or what my GPA was or, or, or to show them my, my, my degree or anything at all. So, of course, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. But being in technology, you really don't have to show anybody any any of this stuff.
0: No, that's the beauty of technology that, hey, you know the technology, that'll be good. Now, what was your secret to moving up? To be honest,
1: at the time, I didn't see it as moving up because I wasn't really focused on moving up. I was trying to do things outside the office, building things like, apps or projects or doing things you know we were all anybody in technology has a pet project or something that can potentially make us a millionaire or a billionaire right so i was never really into putting all my effort into those organizations where i was working at eventually eventually the way that i ended up leaving the first organization that i that i worked at here in ontario I did this by investing $25,000 in some other organization and it didn't go well. Besides him investing the money, the the person running the organization, he asked me whether I I wanted to join. He insisted, insisted, insisted. I ended up joining and then this guy basically ran out of money. He didn't know how to manage the cash flow. He had invested in a whole bunch of products and blah, blah, blah. And uh, the company ended up without any money. At the time... It felt really bad. Like, oh my God, I lost $25,000. But that decision to branch out or to leave my comfort zone was what enabled me to then find other opportunities. To become a business analyst, to become a scrum master, to become a product owner. Without that decision, without getting out of my comfort zone,
0: I don't know whether the rest of my life would have happened the way that it did. Yeah, no, sometimes those losses, they teach you and then... You know, I've seen people lose a lot more. So twenty five thousand wallet is 100. a lot. Some people lose hundred thousand. Some people lose yeah. years.
1: Oh, believe me, my my wife will continue to tell me and remind me about this for the rest of my life. Like those twenty five thousand dollars, I told you to only invest five thousand because I she wanted me to only invest five. But I was like, no, because with twenty five, we're going to make so much more money. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Well, you know how it
0: goes. <laughs> yeah. So now you went to your next role. How did you go about learning the roles on the job?
1: The next role that I that I had as a business analyst, I learned the basics again back in school when I was in school. But I I couldn't call myself a a professional business analyst. I didn't know how to do that. I maybe I had some common sense. And I I knew the basics. I knew something, but I really didn't didn't have the experience. However, what I had always an easy time with was to get the job offer and to be trusted, to be able to pick things up on the go, to be able to learn and adapt and and, and really, yeah, just adapt, I guess, quickly. So I, I've been very, very fortunate to have joined amazing organizations that gave me the skills, that trusted me and that they they knew how little I knew at the time. And they trusted me and they mentored me or they trained me to acquire those skills, to pair me up with others who had the skills, right? Even my first job as a software developer, I literally answered every single technical question wrong and I still got the job. So this is why when I mentor professionals, I tell them it's not about how much you know. It's not about all the certifications that you have. It's not about where you graduated from. All that means nothing. If you cannot interview, if you cannot really earn the trust of the person that is interviewing you, if you don't show them that you have the right attitude, if you don't build a meaningful relationship with them during the interview, they're not going to give you the job, no matter how qualified you are, how amazing you are on paper. So once they trust you, once they believe in you, once once they see that you're different, they will give you the opportunity and they will give you the tools for you to succeed. But at the end of the day, it is on you as well to show up on day one with the right attitude, being intentional about, you know, acquiring the skills and ramping up as quickly as possible. One of the things that I always did was before joining the organizations, I would ask them, what can I do to prepare so that on day one, I can actually add value? Can I read anything? Can I prepare in some way? Can I acquire some skills before I show up on day one? And then the employers always see that as an amazing intention even. Even if they say no, they say, wow, this person actually cares, right? So the way that you show up means a lot because just the average person will show up and take their sweet time to acquire any new skills. But if you're intentional about the way that you show up on day one, you can become the right hand of your manager. You can be trusted. They can see you differently. You can become allies with your your teammates. They will trust you. They will want to see you do well. They will give you, they will trust you with their problems. Personally and professionally, both. So,
0: how you show up really will define how high you can go in that organization. No, I think that's so important. A lot of people realize that hiring is all about risk management and you are putting a big investment into the person you're hiring. So, you have to trust. It's not risk-free. You're taking a risk. So, you have to show why you aren't a risk. Why that you are the one to hire, even if someone is more qualified. How'd you learn about these things during interviews? Like where'd you go? Honestly,
1: the first time I went to an interview here in Canada, which was the one at the call center, of course, I had never worked at the call center before. But when when this person was interviewing me, I came up with the answers on the go. I considered myself to have common sense. And when I gave her the answers, which I brought, Of course, I had no experience doing that before because I had never worked in a call center, like I was saying. Everything resonated with her and she was smiling and everything. And then I thought to myself, so this interview is just, it's a joke. It's basically, it's it's about you telling them what they want to hear. And it worked out and she gave me the job immediately. So I thought to myself, can it be that easy? And then with every other interview, I did the same thing and I never promised something that i couldn't or that i didn't believe that i could acquire that i could do i'm not going to promise you that i can fly if i don't believe that i can fly because that's going to backfire especially if you're switching from one job to another right? Like you have one paying job let's say that you pretend that you can do something that you cannot and, and and you know that you're not going to be able to do it because we all have our limitations as well i'm not going to promise them that I, oh yeah on day one i can fly no i'm not going to say that because it's going to backfire. Right. So if I didn't know how to do something, I would say, yeah, of course I can do that. But knowing that I can actually acquire that skill before I show up on day one, at the end of the day, I, I believe that what has given me that advantage was my ability to 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 build relationships with others, to earn people's trust. Again, I never knew I, I was never the most qualified candidate in the pool. I answered every single technical question wrong, and I still got got hired. I got hired when I was expected to know certain languages, and I didn't know anything about those languages, development languages. And they still hired me. They hired me when I, when they expected me to be a business analyst, and I was not a business analyst. But they invested in me because they saw the potential, and they invested in me because they trusted me as a human being, because they trusted that my values were aligned with theirs. So I make it a point every single time that I go to an interview to talk about these things, to show them that I am like them. The more they see commonalities between us, the more likely they are going to hire me. I cannot remember a single instance in which I walked away from an interview without the confirmation that they were going to give me the job offer. I don't know, maybe it comes naturally. Like for each one of us, different things come naturally, right? Right. Maybe for an accountant, numbers come naturally. For me, they don't, right? But for me, interviewing comes very, very naturally. And that's why I teach others how to do these things now with with proper techniques. But for me, it's really, really natural to go to an interview and to walk away with a job offer.
0: I love it because, you know, the things you shared with me, they're really different. They're not what everyone else shares. You know, not basic advice, more advanced strategies. Now... Looking back, what were some of the biggest mistakes you made? Obviously, we have the $25,000 mistake. What are some other mistakes you've made along the way? Well,
1: definitely, I I, I deleted. <laughs> I deleted. I was trying to be a keener. You know what a keener yeah. is? The employee who tries to do absolutely everything and says yes to everything. And basically, my first job here in Toronto, this was after five years of, of living in Canada. This was my first job here. I was... Um, taking a course outside business hours to acquire some new development skills. And I I think that I was paying attention to the class and at the same time I was trying to do some work and I deleted, like, I can't remember if I deleted an entire table or, or on the database or whether I deleted the entire database, but basically I just hit commit and then I basically deleted the whole thing. I didn't get fired. I actually lasted there for four and a half years. But one of the things that, um, I didn't even think about, I reached out to my manager and he said, this is what I did, right? I didn't try to hide it. I didn't try to make up excuses. Sure. I did, I did lose my privileges of going to the production server straight for some time, but then I earned it back. That was a very, that that was an operational or that was a work mistake that I made. Another mistake maybe that I I made was with regards, like I I was mentioning before, not not wanting or not putting all my effort to try to move up in those organizations. I was always focused on what can I build outside the organization to try to, I don't know, become a millionaire or a billionaire, right? I was always putting all my effort outside. Oh, I can tell you a big mistake that I made as well. Yeah, go ahead. Let me hear (laughs) it. I don't think that anybody anyone knows this, but now that Twitter is so um, so in the news, if you want to, do you want to hear something about Twitter? Yeah. So my my Twitter account is very very small, but back in the day, nobody knows this. Back in the day, a dear friend of mine and I, I can't remember exactly how we came up with this, but basically, we came up with this idea of dropping dropping these affiliate links. And we built a whole system (laughs) that basically would chat with people, kind of like chat GPD right now. But this was like 15 years ago, 14 years ago. And basically, this system would actually message people on on Twitter via private message. Every single person that we targeted based on different um, criteria, based on what they were talking about. And this was at the time when Michael Jackson had just died. And we were targeting everybody with messages about Michael Jackson, and we were sending them with links to Amazon. And basically, if they clicked on that link and they purchased anything, not yeah. just the Michael Jackson CD that we're promoting via direct messages, basically, we would get a commission. So anyway, we built a whole system. And then one day I was at the office, and Twitter went down and I had my my, my laptop. I, I didn't have a server, but I had my laptop sending thousands of messages, thousands of messages per hour. OK, and then Twitter went down and I started to get all these text messages on my phone. Alert, 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 alert. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? So I would go on Twitter.com. I see that there's no Twitter. It's loading, loading. Lo- I was like, what's going on? And then, basically, I, I shut down my, my system to stop messaging me, and I go outside in the parking lot, and I, I remember vividly, like if it was yesterday, talking to my friend, dear friend of mine, we're still amazing friends today, best friends, and I said, is the FBI going to come <laughs> after us now, <laughs> knocking on our doors? Um, and basically, we didn't know what was going to happen. But the the rules, the laws with regards to what was considered spam or not spam, there was a gray area. It was 14 years ago. So, anyway, we spent a a lot of time, hundreds, if not thousands of hours, building this. And then we got scared so, so much about this that we decided to shut it down. In the end, what had happened, it was a DDS attack from someone in England that targeted Twitter. But we got so scared that we never turn that thing on again because we really were concerned we didn't come to canada to go to jail so (laughs) we just shut down completely oh wow no no we uh, we had people purchasing a 70 inch tvs and we were getting that commission from those links that they were clicking on you know we were sending them cds from michael jackson and they were buying
0: televisions we were getting that commission it was unbelievable that is crazy what are some of the interesting projects that you worked on
1: built a search engine running on top of google and bing it was a it was a search engine or when google was not paying attention to mobile devices believe it or not back in the day they were not they were focused on just web we had created a much better user experience for users on on mobile devices where it was Basically, it wasn't Google Shrunk to a mobile device. It was a way better experience. You could search and it would take you straight. It would actually give you answers, straight answers, without you even having to type Even, even having to type enter. You would get the answers of what you were looking for. Similar to ChatGPT again, <laughs> but we're getting the answers. There are many commonalities. Um, I guess so many different projects. Uh, I, I did a trivia trivia application as well. I believe in educating the world. I love educating people. uh, And I also love playing games. So I thought, you know what? Who likes to be educated? I mean, not everybody likes to be educated, but I recognize that, you know, the world needs more education. So I thought, you know what? What if I combine both? The trivia uh, trivia application to educate people with knowledge Mm -hmm. and also in a fun way for them to be able to enjoy the process of actually learning. So created that, launched that, partnered with some influencers. Back in the day, when people were not paying influencers, I was paying influencers, managed to get dozens and thousands of downloads. And people were calling me who were actually downloading this trivia app to swear at me because they were like, this is so addictive. I can't stop playing it. They they, they answered thousands of questions and they were like, "My, my wife is upset because I'm all day playing this thing. So anyway, couldn't make a penny out of it, but it was an amazing experience.
0: Wow, that's cool. That's cool. What would you say was your biggest career transformation?
1: The first one was when I recognized that I didn't want to just continue to develop code. I didn't want to continue to, to do software development like the actual coding itself. I experienced, I am not going to go into all the details, but basically I experienced the fact that I loved solving people's problems. I get a lot of joy from solving people's problems. And that first organization here in Toronto, I asked for permission to see what I could do to prevent our clients from leaving our organization. Because, long story short, a lot of clients were leaving our organization. I I thought, what can I do to try to help? My manager said, what do you have to do with all this? Like, I didn't hire you for that. And he thought, well, someone has to try to do something about this. And he said, well, we have a... A retentions department. They said, well, clearly it's not working because everybody's leaving anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I pushed and pushed and I asked for permission. And we went to our our director and our VP and they gave me permission. And they started to call my clients. And I would say, hi, it's Brian Golod calling you from this organization. I heard that you're having some difficulties. I'd like to hear more and see if I can help you. And then within five minutes, I was able to help them, and they were happy, and they they would go from trash-talking us behind our backs to loving us and saying, like, I love your organization. I said, you love our, our organization, but I thought you were, like, super upset. They were like, yes, but no one has ever showed me any care for me since the moment that I actually paid for the service, and you're the first person calling me. So I kept on doing this with every single client, and I realized, wow, it feels so amazing to be of service to others. That transformation alone helped me define the rest of my career in technology and for me to be now a product owner, to have this ability or, or, or this interest in sympathizing with the people that or the users that we serve, understanding their problems, understanding their desires, their objectives, what it is that they need to accomplish for us to develop the right solution for them. So that was one. And then the second transformation was when I came across LinkedIn and and, and I started to help others and mentor others to be able to help them get back on their feet and advance in their careers. That for me was like it was not just a transformation, it it, it actually showed me the my purpose, the reason why I was born and why I was put on this planet. So I had like two different transformations, one that is career-wise within technology, and another one, which is a a personal and professional and even financial transformation. And I appreciate both. But of course, once you find your purpose, there's a before and there's an after, right? There's a famous saying, there are two moments in your life, two really important moments in your life, the day you are born and the day you find out why you were born, right? So thank God I found out why I was born. Looking back, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? My family, my immediate family. If you ask me anything that I've done for others, I treasure and I save in a, in a special place in my heart. Every single one of the stories, every single one of the professionals that i have been able to make a positive impact in. But my family is my family. And watching my children grow happy and healthy and having, you know, sitting around the table and, and having this unity with my family is Nothing compares to that. I've always wanted to have a family and just it gives me so much, uh, joy and pride. What would you say is the hardest thing you ever went through? Oh my God. Actually, it's, um, it's a very timely question because today is my dad's birthday. May he rest in peace. Losing my dad almost 10 years ago, nine, nine, nine and a half years ago, a couple of months before my wedding, that was the Most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my life. It it just um, for anybody who has parents, I will tell you, cherish those moments because once your loved ones are gone, they are gone. Um, Just cherish them as much as you can. Tell them how much you love them as much as you can. I always did, but there's it's never enough. I only I only got to enjoy my dad for almost thirty years of my life. I know that there are many others who enjoy their parents or their father or mom or mother less than that they are less fortunate because of it there are others who have enjoyed them more there are others who never had a good relationship with their parents but for those of us who who consider our parents our best friends and we know that they have our best interest at heart and they absolutely love us and vice versa and we absolutely love them oh my god that that truly killed me it devastated me it changed me who i am it made me lose my my senses i i don't know my direction i i just became insensitive to so many things it it just really really changed me a lot it was like walking around without a compass you know losing my dad was by far if i could rewind time to go back to him to that moment before he he left i would totally go back there
0: what was like the best advice he gave you, the advice that really stuck with you?
1: I think it's one phrase which is don't take shortcuts. Whenever you look back, make sure that you're proud of, of the journey that you have walked. Make sure that you can sleep at night, that you have peace of mind, that you're not screwing anybody, that you're a good human being, that you are really, I mean, it takes so long to to build your reputation and it takes just a moment to to destroy it. So just do the right thing, even when no one is
0: looking. If you saw your 18-year-old self across the street today, what would you tell him? You're going to have an amazing,
1: amazing life, even better than the one that you imagine. Be patient. Things will happen when they are meant to happen. Work hard. Build those relationships. Care for others. Sleep more. don't forget to exercise during COVID. <laughs> uh, don't forget to exercise after COVID. Just enjoy, seriously, enjoy every moment. Like if it was the last one, which I do. I do. I, I don't have to remind myself of that because I, listen, it's 2.06 in the morning here for both of us. And you see the smile that I have and I'm just happy to be here. And, you know, think me a couple of hours ago <laughs> and you were like, Let's do this, absolutely, anytime. I'm just happy to be alive and to be awake any time of the day and night. We are blessed. Honestly, I, I can say you, Janiyad, you're blessed, of course. I am blessed. just can't ask for more. When, when people ask me and I truly mean it, I can't ask for more. And that's why I'm trying to bless as many people as I can because more people should be blessed to, or to
0: feel and to be truly blessed. I think so too. I want to thank you for doing this. Uh, so glad to call you a friend it's been way too long since I've seen you but I'll make the trip happen thank you for the work you do thank you for the impact you've had on my life I know so many of the audience will gain a lot of value and looking forward to the future together likewise much love to you thank you another great episode thank you for listening hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you! No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com/slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn. At Chennai Iqbal, spelled J O N A E D, last name I Q B A L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, no degree.com.